It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Balls, your daily Tennessee Volunteers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Balls, your team every day. My name is Josh Ward. Thank you for being here today. I hope you are having a good week so far. We are inching toward the weekend. We are here in the month of April, and I think we're all trying to move forward together. We're going to continue to do that. We'll do that here on the podcast, doing it on Sports Talk Radio, every way we can. Uh, You know, it it has been brought up. I've talked about it. It's uh, called social distancing. We don't have to social distance. We have to keep physical distance, but it's probably more important than ever to remain social. So social media, radio, TV, whatever. Uh, This podcast, again, I I hope it helps create some kind of connection. So we need to remain social together. The physical distance is really what we have to create. And uh, we'll get into a little bit of that on today's show. Before that, though, an update from Jeremy Pruitt on how he is coping with the downtime that he's experiencing right now, spending a little more time with his family. He has a newborn at home, by the way. He's going to talk about that as well as what they are doing to try to communicate with the players while they are away. So you will hear an update from Tennessee's head football coach coming up in just a few minutes. In segment number two, another update on the football season coming up this fall. I'll go ahead and say nobody knows what's going to happen. No, None of us know what will happen. There are projections and there are different models and then there are rebuttals for the models, all that stuff. And, and you're probably tired of it. But I did play the comments from Kirk Herbstreet at the beginning of the week. How about a little perspective on the other side of that? I'll try to work that into segment number two. And then in the final segment of the show, a fun topic we discussed on Sports 180 on Wednesday. I'm going to carry a little bit of that over onto today's show. It's Locked on Vols. It's available anywhere you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify. I want to thank everybody who has left a rating and review for the show on Apple Podcasts. That's a big help. Thanks to everybody who has spread the word about Locked on Vols. It's part of the Locked on Podcast Network. And uh, as I mentioned, Jeremy Pruitt, he's like every college football coach out there. He's dealing with something that he never has before, and none of us have, but when you think about the college football world and the coaching world, they spend a lot of time in the office. They spend a lot of time working, whether it's recruiting, preparing for the upcoming season, of course, within the season, preparing for games every week, and they're not doing that right now. They're spending a lot more time at home, and Jeremy Pruitt was a guest on WJOX down in Birmingham, the show Three Man Front. And the question was pretty simple. What are you doing with your time? Here's Jeremy Pruitt having a little bit of fun talking about his new situation that he is dealing with away from the football office. Well, um, I've got an opportunity to uh, spend a whole lot of time with my four-year-old, my two-year-old, and my two-month-old, and my <laughs> and my wife. So uh, I'm enjoying that, and you know, I'm working from home. Coach, the, the real question, though, is, is your wife enjoying that with you being at home all the time? Has, uh, has, has she told you that you're, uh, you're getting on her nerves, or has she learned anything about you with you being at home all the time? No, I'm, I'm earning my keep around here. I'm, I'm vacuuming. I'm mopping the floors. I'm cleaning the bathrooms. I'm washing dishes. I'm washing clothes, so making up beds. So I'm, I'm, I guess I'm... I'm I'm getting my room and board paid for by the by the job I'm doing for. 
Jeremy Pruitt, I, I got to be honest with you, the image of Jeremy Pruitt mopping and vacuuming floors and doing dishes and making beds in the morning, I don't know how serious he is with all of those answers there, but the image, I think is pretty hilarious. And I've heard a lot of talk of coaches are climbing the walls right now because this is not the lifestyle that they are used to. They are used to grinding and they are used to working a lot of hours and film and everything that goes into the football world. And that's not all taken away, as we'll get to that coming up in just a moment, but it's different right now. And the follow-up question there is a good one. I think we naturally think, what's it like for the coaches being home? What's it like for the wives having the coaches home as much as they are right now? So uh, a little lighthearted talk from Jeremy Pruitt there at the beginning of the conversation, but it's not like they're not getting any work done. And I think that needs to be made clear as well. Remember on Monday, there was the update from the SEC that now they can have the virtual meetings with players, they can have film study, and they can have some chalk talk now. Uh, They're not monitoring physical workouts right now via video, but they can communicate. And Jeremy Pruitt pointed that out, that it's easier to do it now than it would have been 25 years ago. But listen to more of Jeremy Pruitt talking about what they're able to do right now, what he is doing to try to prepare and get some work done in this unique situation that all of us are trying to get through. It is unusual, uh, but, you know, it, it's a, it's, a, it's obviously a lot easier today than it would have been 25 years ago, right? So, uh, you know, we, we've we've had constant contact with our players, uh, you know, this past weekend. Uh, I met with every group uh, on, on Saturday. I met with the offensive guys in their individual position groups and, on Sunday, I met with the defensive guys uh, uh, and, and the specialist, uh, and, and it was there was nothing about football. It was uh, a health and wellness check, uh, and it was it was good for me because uh, you know I, I miss our team. Uh, I miss I miss being around the guys. Uh, so I got an opportunity to to spend a lot of time uh, with each individual group and have conversations with the guys and. I think it was uh, a good morale booster for everybody. Uh, I know one of the things of, you know, when you're a part of the team, uh, you know, being around your teammates, that's that's part of the camaraderie that you build and, uh, you know, you get attached to each other. So uh, it was good to do. That's one thing we're doing. And uh, we have our – that's for me. And we, and we actually have our um, individual coaches – uh, they they check on the guys every morning uh, when they when they get out when they wake up and get their day started just again and then before they go to bed. So uh, we're trying to constantly stay in touch with them. Tennessee football coach Jeremy Pruitt talking on WJOX in Birmingham on Thursday on what Tennessee's trying to get done behind the scenes. I will also add that Tennessee has a bunch of smart, really good people over there, not just with the football coaching staff, but. I think the strength staff members are good. I saw a video that they were sharing online with some at-home workouts you can get done. And I'm not going to sit here and say this gives Tennessee an advantage against schools like Georgia, Florida, Alabama, the other SEC teams, because they have really good people in place as well. But Tennessee does have a lot of smart people that are forward-thinking and working overtime, really, in some ways, to make sure that they do everything they can to help players in the situation that they are in right now. So again, I'm not going to sit here and say that it gives Tennessee an advantage over the opponents, but I do think you can find some comfort in the fact that Tennessee does everything that it can to make sure the players are 
uh, in the best position possible academically, athletically, and in, in their home environment as they're away from the environment they're used to from a coaching standpoint, uh, nutritionally, and uh, academically as well. So everybody's trying to figure it out all at the same time. Tennessee is no different in that regard, but they'll get through it. And when the players do get back, Tennessee will be ready for that. Now, what's the timeline? That is still a big unknown. And I'm going to get to a little bit of that coming up in the next segment. But I want you to hear from Tennessee's head football coach, Jeremy Pruitt, as he's like all of us. He's trying to get everything figured out as well. I'm going to come back here on Locked on Vols, and you're going to hear from Philip Fulmer with a message that he had for Tennessee fans on Wednesday. Also, another SEC coach addresses Kirk Herbstreet's concerns from just a few days ago. That's coming up in the next segment of Locked On Vols, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate. Save money and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. On Monday's show, I played some of the comments that Kirk Herbstreet made on 3HL in Nashville. I think it was last Friday, yeah, when he did the interview. And Kirk talked about how he doesn't see a football season happening. He's at least really concerned that it's not going to. And I know there's been a lot of pushback on that. I had a message from Rob, and we had some back and forth, and uh, I appreciated the messages just saying, you know, I'm not sure how uh, how much that helps right now and how productive that is. And I think that's a fair question and a fair concern, actually, with the idea of uh, Kirk expressing so strongly the doubts he has about a football season taking place this fall. I'm going to tell you that I don't know, and I don't think anybody knows what's going to happen. Some people are going to be more optimistic than others. Some are going to have greater concerns and, and express those maybe more than others. Uh, so, And then there's going to be some kind of in-between. I do think it's really important to try to be as optimistic about just the entire situation and try to be positive and, and try to do things the right way. We can be optimistic while also taking this entire situation very seriously. Well, on Wednesday, Eli Drinkwitz, the first-year coach at Missouri, was meeting with the local media, uh, talking to them, and I, I think he kind of took a bit of a shot at Kirk Herbstreet as Eli made a comment about, why don't you worry about picking games on college game day? There's a big difference in that, Drinkwitz was saying, as opposed to talking about what's going on with COVID-19. And he's not wrong. I don't know that Kirk Herbstreet is qualified to make any kind of real prediction. I don't know that he was actually trying to do that. But of course, Kirk Herbstreit is also a big name and has a powerful voice in the world of college football. And people are going to pay attention to what he says more than a lot of people in the sport. And I think that's part of what Drinkowitz was saying. But he did walk back his comments a little bit and and took a bigger picture look at it when he was on Paul Feinbaum's show on Wednesday. This was Eli Drinkowitz, the head coach at Missouri. I did not mean anything towards Mr. Herbstreit or his opinion or even to take a shot at him. That that was not my intention or point, and I hope that uh, he, he would accept my apology because I know that that kind of made the headline. My point was not to do that. My point was to simply say, it's for us, it's bigger than football right now. We're focused today's strengths on today's problems, and we'll figure that out down the road, and nobody can really forecast the future. You know, two months ago, 
we weren't even talking about CV-19 in this manner. And now we're trying to forecast what it's going to look like in six months. And I just, I don't necessarily know that that's a valuable uh, use of our energy and time. And it probably isn't. That's Eli Drinkwitz, the head coach at Missouri. And I'll just come back and say that none of us know. I don't know. You don't know. We're all hoping for the best, I'm sure. I mean, I certainly am. As I said the other day, I absolutely want football season to be here this fall. And I'm sure that if you're listening to this show, you do as well. Even if you don't like football, you want football to be back this fall because if it's not, well, that's not a good sign, at least. And if it is, that means things have gotten back to normal or really close to it. And also I'll point out, while it doesn't mean it's absolutely going to happen, the NFL with its announcement with the upcoming schedule for the year with now 14 teams in the playoffs did put in its statement that it is planning for a normal season. It's planning to kick things off in early September. And when they said they're planning to have a normal season, that means they're going to play football games as scheduled and they're going to play them with fans in the stadiums. Now that also can be subject to change. So I guess anybody can sit here and say, you know what? I don't feel good about a football season taking place. Or you could say, I think that football season is absolutely going to take place. And I'm not sure that either statement really means anything. I don't think you can say 100% on what's going to happen. You also for sure can't say 0% chance. That would be pretty outrageous. I also think we can have the conversation because administrators need to be having the conversation of what's going to happen and making plans for the schedule to be played as expected or maybe some alterations made or maybe some movement within the schedules. I mentioned there there was at least talk of what if you tried to play the this, this season a little earlier, which I find hard to believe considering campuses are saying, yeah, we're going to keep students off through June or July. That makes it tough to have a college football season. Uh, but also the idea of moving the season back into the springtime, which in a one-time thing, that would be different for sure, but it would just be that. They would get back to playing in the fall the following year would be the hope. The point would be you try to make plans to have football and you have a plan A, plan B, plan C. That's the job of Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, and uh, John Swafford in the ACC, and Delaney up in the Big Ten, and then, of course, uh, Mark Emmert with the NCAA. They need to have plans for a number of different scenarios That's one thing I think we can all agree on. Now, there's also just the overall cloud that's hanging over this entire subject, and that's something that Ben Cohen discussed on Paul Feinbaum's show as well. So you had Eli Drinkowitz's comment. Listen to uh, Ben Cohen relaying a conversation he had at the professional level in the NBA, but Ben Cohen of the Wall Street Journal talking about some of the conversations behind the scenes. I was talking to actually an owner um, of an NBA team not too long ago, and he brought up this really interesting point that I hadn't thought about, which is that this is not simply about like people being ready for sports or being like let out of their homes uh, yet. It's what sports really has to think about is um, it is going to be associated with fear for a very long time because you don't want to be like sports can only recover once people decide that it is okay to be around. 20,000 to 100,000 strangers again. And it feels like we are a very long time away from that. And I think that, you know, there are clearly huge financial stakes and issues to work through, but this almost seems like philosophical and existential. And I think that is something that sports is going to have to reckon with before we start seeing games again. 
Ben Cohen from the Wall Street Journal. So it doesn't paint a pretty picture. I'm not trying to get you down. Just trying to relay some of the conversations that are taking place. I'll finish on a uh, maybe more uplifting note, just a, a reminder. This is from Tennessee's athletic director, Philip Fulmer, who I'll say again, I think has done a really good job in getting the message out from the University of Tennessee and providing leadership and I think providing comfort for Tennessee fans. This is Philip Fulmer and his wife, Vicki Fulmer, with a very quick message that they posted for Tennessee fans on Wednesday. Hello, neighbors. To help the health of our community, we're asking everyone to stay at home as much as possible and practice social distancing. Working together, we can stop the spread of COVID-19. Do your part, stay apart. That's from Philip and Vicki Fulmer. We'll come back and I'll get back to football on the field, a happier subject, talking about favorite players, impact players in Tennessee history. That's coming up next right here on Locked On Vols, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And I do want to remind you, you can listen to the show anywhere, Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, your smart speaker at home as well. You can tell it to play podcast, Locked On V-O-L-S, and it'll fire right up for you. You need to spell out Vols, but if you tell your smart speaker to play podcast, Locked On V-O-L-S, I'll be right there for you. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months, or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. A topic that we covered on Wednesday's show on Sports 180, which was a big hit, especially online. We had a, a just a ton of feedback, which I expected because of what we were talking about. It was the first Tennessee player that really made a big impact on you, whether it was the first, fan, first player that you pulled for or that you connected with at the University of Tennessee. And we brought it up partly because, one, we've got plenty of time to fill, but also because it allows us to go back and think about what got us into Tennessee football in the first place? It could be that you just grew up a Tennessee fan all of your life, or it could be that you moved to Knoxville at some point, or you uh, got to know somebody, you got married to somebody who was a Tennessee fan, and you started following it for that reason. There are a number of reasons, and we had uh, some folks who said, yeah, I moved to Knoxville, so I became a, a fan in the mid-'90s, and Peyton Manning was the quarterback. Or like Heather Harrington on Sports 180, we were talking about her coming from Houston to Tennessee to play volleyball at UT. So that was in the early 2000s. Casey Clawson was the quarterback then, and Jason Witten was a star. So those were a couple of the big names that Heather associated Tennessee football with when she arrived in Knoxville and has lived in Knoxville ever since. For me, I've grown up in Knoxville was born at UT, hospital, graduated from the University of Tennessee, and the player that I said was James Littleman Stewart. So I was born in the mid-90s, and the early 90s is when James Stewart is having a big run. He's there at the same time as Charlie Garner and Aaron Hayden, and then you have Jay Graham after uh, James Stewart as well. It was a, just a terrific run of running backs before those guys and afterward. Tennessee's history at that position is just terrific. So a lot of people mentioned Johnny Jones and Reggie Cobb and Chuck Webb. And uh, when you think about skill position players, you probably think about wide receivers. So a lot of Carl Pickens, Alvin Harper, Dell Carter, and then Joey Kent in the mid-90s with what he was able to do along with Peyton Manning. And I know part of this is me just naming a bunch of great players, but 
it really is, I think, about what area you come from. Uh, there was a lot of uh, Dell Jones and Larry Seavers mentions, and then part of it is, okay, where do you first connect? Then you go to the quarterback. So we got a lot of Bobby Scott. We got a lot of Condridge Holloway mentions in the show. Heath Shuler's name was brought up, which I was glad because while people have not forgotten Heath Shuler, I don't know that he gets brought up enough considering how good of a player he was. He was a runner-up for the Heisman Trophy and a top-five pick in the NFL draft, and his NFL career did not go how he wanted, but he was a terrific player at Tennessee, and Heath is a guy that I do point to and say, if he's playing today, his combination of his passing ability, his athleticism, and the offensive game, the way that it's run today, Heath would light people up, and he did then too. Again, he was a Heisman finalist, but some of the statistics that I think Heath Schuler could put up today would be incredible. So when we listed the five guys who have made uh, an impact, guys that we connected with with University of Tennessee, my top three guys were James Littleman Stewart, Peyton Manning, I think for the obvious reasons, not only because of how good of a player he was, but I was middle school age then, so I still think about where I was when Peyton announced that he was returning for his senior season. Think about where I was during some of the big games that he played. You think about that Alabama game with Joey Kent. Joey was number three on my list. That play number one to Joey Kent, 80 yards, a touchdown, and then Tennessee rolls against the Crimson Tide in that game. You think about those moments and then the Heisman Trophy. It's a real negative, but I think a lot of Tennessee fans probably remember where they were when Charles Woodson beat out Peyton for the Heisman Trophy. So uh, you, you think about where you were, you think about those special moments, and right now you probably think about better times with Tennessee football in a lot of ways. And there, there were a number of guys in the 2000s who were mentioned, but most of the names were pre-2000, most of them, I would say. There were some Eric Berry uh, responses in there and some Eric Ainge. So younger fans probably think about Eric Ainge as the first quarterback there in the mid-2000s as he was a starter for part of 04 as a freshman. He helped Tennessee beat Florida in that game, and then in 2006 and 2007, part of the 2005 season, which Eric and I think everybody else would like to forget about as well. But uh, the the main subject was, you know, just thinking about memories, thinking about where you were when you first started following Tennessee football, and uh, there's a good chance that it was with a family member, whether it was with a parent or a sibling or a loved one now or whatever the case might be. When you first started to get into Tennessee football, that was the point of the conversation, and I think that's something that we all enjoy talking about. So I hope you've enjoyed the show today. Segment number two might have been a bit of a downer in some ways, but again, we're going to get through this together. We'll continue talking about what's going on with Tennessee, what's going on off the field in the sports world. Recruiting continues to be a focus for Tennessee's coaches, and Tennessee basketball continues to provide a lot to get excited about next year. So we'll talk more about that coming up on tomorrow's show. I think I'm going to have a mailbag segment tomorrow as well. So hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I appreciate you being here. I posted a link to the show on the uh, Rocky Top subreddit the other day and had a few nice messages there. So uh, appreciate all of those. Again, just appreciate you being here on the show. I hope you have a great rest of the day. Quick plug, if you're listening to this on Thursday, on Thursday at 12.30 on Sports 180, 12.30 Eastern Time, we're going to have Chris Lofton on the show, the great Tennessee basketball player. He's going to be our call of all guests. So if you hear this before then, tune in 12.30, and we'll podcast that as well. 12.30 on 99.1 in Knoxville, the sports animal, VFL Chris Lofton. Have a great rest of your day. I'll see you tomorrow on Locked on Vols.
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.